goes into going to a football game. I mean, it took me over two hours to get home last night. You know, I know it was like that for a lot of people. And so to continue to go and get kicked in the junk over and over and over and over again, I understand. I understand totally why Trev would look at that and say, we can't, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep taking the fans for granted. You know, that was that that was really one of the big cruxes of last night's discussion with you and Ravi. Not taking the fan base for granted. It's incredible that they still continue to show up for a team now, John, that has been four and eleven in the last season plus three games. Four and eleven. And they're still darn near full every time at Memorial Stadium. Treb knows that. You don't want to take advantage of them. You don't want you you just don't want to give them any reason to be even more pissed off at the program. So yeah, I have I to imagine, among other things, that has to be a reason, you know, that that led to the decision today versus it 20 days from now. We'll get to some calls. Do we have calls uh, lined up, Josh? We do. Okay. Um, We'll get to some in just a second. I wanted to read this one from Brent. Brent writes, Part of what Trev has to navigate is unanimous support of the boosters and continued interest of the fan base. If he pulled the plug after last season, it would have created another Polini type of division. What has kept us relevant the past two decades are the boosters and fans. Part of moving forward is having everyone on the same page. After last night, I don't think even the most ardent Frost supporter was thinking differently. Obviously, you can't plan it out this way, but coming out of the gate one and two on the year has influencers of the program on the same page. Appreciate you guys covering this today. Better days are ahead. Interesting point there by Brent, because, you know, last year you and I, Josh, disagreed on the decision to retain Scott Frost. We had seen enough to know that we had seen enough. And... But Brent's point is interesting because while we and and maybe a few others, I think I think somewhere on the message boards, they called them the 15 percent or whatever it was. I know when we did our polling, I think it was like 20 percent were, were were, you know, wanting him let go. Yeah, um, that actually and the argument that we had was, well, you're wasting next season. Yep. You're going to be throwing away next season because even if Scott Frost gives you six or seven or even eight wins, it'll be, it, it'll, it'll probably be hollow gold. Yep. And, and then you're stuck with him for another year and you're just continuing to kick this rotten can down the road. But now with everything that has worked as it has, and remember, even though the buyout is still double of what it could have been if this decision had been made three weeks later. It's 15 million. It's still less than it would have been at the end of last season. If it had been done at the end of last season, it would have been about $25 million. It's 15 today. So they did save some money, maybe not as much as they could have, but they did save save some money. So to Brent's point, we've now, we've now gotten, you know, even though it took a little more evidence for others to follow along, we've now seen through three games enough evidence where you're going to avoid, it appears, a Polini-like situation where there is a huge divide in the fan base. And, and so in the long run, this may end up being, and we don't know, but this may end up being, while it sounds maybe from a 35,000-foot view, kind of premature, wow, you're firing a guy after you gave him a second chance just three games into the next season, you may have done a very shrewd maneuver here in an effort to keep this fan base, which is really the one thing that's holding everything together over the last 20 years, somewhat together. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. The div, the division is is not something that, that Trev Alberts wanted. You know, the thing I guess that I am surprised by uh, is maybe how fast 
people, I guess, came over to this side of the discussion, right? Um, I, I, I was wrong. I thought it would take the whole season. I didn't think that I, I definitely didn't think after game one that, 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 that it would have changed that much. And then by game three, I mean, there, there are ardent hardcore frost people that were like the uh, uncle, you know, they, 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 yeah. just, they couldn't see it anymore. And that, that, that surprised me. And then look, maybe it makes sense. Like when I kind of sit back and, and I, I think about it and I talk about it with people, it does make sense because they made all these changes, coaches, players, and they got off to a one and two start. So, you know what? An- another they 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 barely ever been above five hundred, so they're below five hundred again, and they're losing games in strange ways. And and look, I said it last week, and I'll probably say it a few more times: losing with bad defense, which I guess is kind of ironic that that in the end, the, one of the big downfalls for Frost is going to be his defense in year five. Losing with defense. Getting outscored forty-five to forty-two, that it just rubs people the wrong way. It it, yeah. it is it's bad football. It's bad football because you're not tackling. It's bad football because you're you're not wreaking havoc. And I think that, that that just the look of that side of the ball, I think, was just too much for a lot of people. So you're right. It was a gamble. It was a really really healthy gamble. But in the end, if if Trev is able to avoid the the uh, the discontent with the fan base. He is able to maybe avoid uh, co- potential coaches looking at him and saying, wow, you showed up and you fired a guy four months onto the job. He, he, he doesn't have that hanging over him anymore now. Right? Like he, he has, uh, he, he has, Hey, look, I gave him, I gave him all the support that I could. We gave him time and it just wasn't enough. So he's able to, you know, explain this away in, 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 in different conversations than maybe he could have a year ago or almost a year ago. Uh, producer Josh has just informed us we're clear until three o'clock. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we might have to, add, I'm glad I got some water. I may have to ask. I the, uh, boys to me, yeah, but uh, we're, we're clear to go. So uh, we'll be able to go pretty much relatively break free until three o'clock. Uh, we might, we might take one break before Trev just because Trev's press conference will take place at three o'clock or, around that time i would hope that trev will be on time we'll of course bring you coverage of that right here on 1620 the zone 1620 the zone.com and 1620 the zone tv all right well we've been talking for about an hour straight uh let's see what the callers have to say mike is up first at 402-951-1620 mike what's going on good afternoon guys um i'm gonna bang my fist on the table and i'm gonna keep saying the same thing i've been telling my sons this and friends this and um since since the firing of of uh, <clears throat> Frank Solich, the coaches that we've brought in, some could some could recruit, some couldn't. Um, but I think the 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 huge downfall of of this program over the last twenty years is the coaches that they brought in have not been able to develop talent. And I don't ever hear anybody preaching that. So I would beg whoever is out there listening that that is going to go and make a decision on who they hire as a coach. First and foremost, that coach better have a great track record of being able to develop talent, and then also have that trait in them that they they've shown that they can build a program. Uh, I, I I think I would argue even if uh, you know Nick Saban had Nebraska's talent he would still win and go to a bowl game. It's just about development yep. of talent. And when they brought in 
Adrian Martinez, you know, four years ago to be the to quarterback. I think a lot of us Husker fans thought, wow, we got this kid for four years. This is going to be great. Yep. And as yep. the years progressed, he never got any better. And I think that's an indictment on Scott. It's an indictment on the coaching staff that players like that don't get any better. And I, 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 me and my son were just having this conversation about the running backs this year. You know, you talk about A.J. Allen and – Ah, I'm on Anthony Grant. On, uh, Anthony Grant. There you go. They, those guys were developed. Well, Allen's a freshman, but Anthony Grant was developed someplace else. The running backs that we had in room haven't even seen the field. I mean, that again tells you we haven't been able to develop talent at the running back spot, and that uh, a, a transfer can come in and a true freshman can come in and get significant playing time over people that have been in the program for two or three years. And they haven't been able to develop offensive linemen either. I would argue that there isn't one guy on that offensive line that I think could go and start for another Big Ten school, maybe Prohaska. But other than that, I don't know that there's anybody else on that line that that could start for another Big Ten school. Um, so I, 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 my heart aches that, that Scott Frost couldn't get the job done. I was excited, uh, like probably everybody else was, five years ago when he took the job, but um, I'm really, really hoping whoever Trev tells us in a couple months is the new head coach. I, I hope he has that player development aspect to, to him as a coach. Um, I, it's vital, especially at a place like Nebraska, it's vital that we, we have a coach that can do that. Appreciate the call. I, I like what Ravi said last night, uh, and thank you, Mike. Uh, we have a line open, 402-951-1620. I like what Ravi said last night about building through the lines. Um, I think that that's pretty obvious. I think what, what Mike just said about the offensive line is true. I mean, we, so often, John, as as we used to do the hits, misses, and guys exercise, we'd go look at, at players that Nebraska recruited, four stars, three stars for the most part, and we kind of grade them hits, misses, and guys, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so often, Nebraska with the four stars – of which they've had a lot of offensive linemen as four stars under Frost. Those have been some of the biggest misses. Um, and that's that's been a huge issue for them because you, you look at these guys and they're competing against the Minnesotas and the Wisconsins and the Iowas and they're winning those battles. And yet when you watch them on a game-to-game basis, uh, they're, they're just not good enough. And especially, I mean, what we saw last night with the defensive line, obviously, obviously they were not good enough. Yeah, I'm looking it up and um... – I don't know if I updated this for to grade. You know, I did not. I have not graded last year yet, uh, 2021 class. We never but did it this, this last year. No, we, did, we didn't do it. But um, of the players, and we're using, from the start, we've used the, the rivals rating system, that there have been since we – started this exercise with the 2009 class. So this is the 2009 recruiting the class. The first full class for Bo. First full right. class. This, this class included uh, Rex Burkhead, uh, Jeremiah Searles, Taylor Martinez, uh, Brandon Kinney, for example. That was the first class. Nebraska, since that time, and this is, again, not counting the 2021 recruiting class, 89 Nebraska players have been rated four stars or above mm-hmm. of those 89 players who have been, and, and they've not had a five star. So yeah, uh, I mean, they're all four stars, but of those 89, 
only 10 have been graded as hits. And by Josh and I's definition of a hit, means you're all conference caliber. Some of the guys who, um, and I, we always run into this, I always say guys, and then I realize that's one of our grading. But some of the players who are our hits include, just to give you an example of what we're talking about, Levante David, Lamar Jackson, Rex Burkhead, Amir Abdullah, Westercamp, Amir Abdullah, Randy Gregory. So there's a, there's an example of the of the caliber that that grades as a hit. But 44%, 38 of the 89 players rated four stars since 2009 have been misses. Now, this also encompasses obviously the Bo Pelini era, the Mike Riley era and early Scott Frost. But that's been the ongoing problem with Nebraska is while they have been able to garner top 20, top 25 on a regular basis recruiting classes, which up until last year was the best of any team in the Big Ten West. Mm -hmm. Last year, uh, Wisconsin finally uh, beat Nebraska in terms of the national recruiting rankings, in terms of the overall class. But Nebraska has been consistently and easily the number one recruiter by the national recruiting rankings in the Big Ten West, the problem has been the lack of development at the guys at the very top of the class. And you think about the misses, Tyjon Lindsay, Wandale mm-hmm. Robinson, Aaron Green. These are all guys who were rated four stars. And by the uh, way, it was only a miss because he left. Like that dude right, was on a great I misses, misses. I mean, they leave. Yeah, like Avery yeah. Roberts was a four star. He, he turned into an all conference player elsewhere. Tristan but they Jambia. didn't like him. They didn't think he was good enough. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, Chase Harper. Remember Chase Harper? Breon Carnes, Bubba Starling. Uh, you know, there's just a lot. And and that's been Nebraska's biggest downfall is development. They can't find a way to make their best players in their recruiting classes even live up to the four-star potential, much less push them beyond that and make them All-America candidates, Player of the Year candidates, Conference Player of the Year candidates, and things of that nature. And it's been the ongoing failure of this program. And and whomever Nebraska gets, listen, I don't care if you're Alabama. I don't care if you're Georgia Southern. I don't care if you're Nebraska. If you're not developing players, there's a very good chance you're not winning football games. Even Nick Saban, with the great talent that he gets every year, most of those players get better from the time they arrive on campus to the time they leave, which is why they have so many in the NFL. That's been the biggest problem Nebraska football has had for the last two decades is they are not developing players. Forget the walk-ons and turning them into stars like on like an I am hip or forget about turning the two stars into three or four stars or the three stars into four star type players we're talking about the top of the class even if they just made the tops of their classes better Nebraska would have been a better program yeah absolutely and so that's that's what this is all going to come back to it's not gonna like you know, somebody brought up last night, like the, them getting back to the '90s, and you quickly pointed out, like, look, you're at the very base of the mountain right now. You got to, you got to, you got to get out of your car and get your gear on first before we can start talking about getting to the tippy top. And so, I know that that some are going to want to say, like, they got to start getting more four and five stars. Like, yes, they do, but that's not where the issue lies. The issue lies with just pure development at the very, very basic level and if they can start with that they can go to bulls and if they can go to bulls then they can challenge for divisions if they can i mean and then along the line you go and that's how you elevate yourself as a program but this is a group this is an, a university this is a football team 
that needs to figure out how to make those first steps. You know, they they got to believe in themselves, man. Like I, I, all the one score loss jokes aside, like it keeps happening. You know, so I think I feel very comfortable in saying this year they're going to get blown out. It's going to happen now. It's some, and I, I felt that way all off season long. Um, but they, they, John, they got to get past this. They gotta, they gotta be able to win a game. They have to be able to believe in themselves, to believe in their coaches, to believe in their teammates. And, and look, like, again, you know, a lot of the questions today are why now, why now, why now? Like, there was a comment earlier from Matt that says, I'm all for the decision, decision to move forward without Frost, but this doesn't solve our Swiss cheese defense and impotent offensive line. And it doesn't. It does not. No. This, is, this, does not this does not fix the offensive line. This does not fix the defense especially. Um, but maybe it can help with them mentally. Maybe this can allow them to win some games that they have not been able to win, that it keeps happening. They got they got to believe in themselves, and then after that, then start worrying about all the other issues after that. And, and, and quite frankly, and yes, while I still think there's going to be an element of uh, you know pitching hope for the rest of this season as part of the address, we, we read the tweet from Ted Carter a little bit ago, Nebraska system president, um, about how there's still a Big Ten season in the Oklahoma game to go. While there's going to be an element of hope, I think I go back to the email we got from Brent. I think a lot of today's decision is to try to keep a fan base from scattering and losing all hope. And because again, that's been the one constant. Mm -hmm. Every other streak has blown up over the last 20 years, winning streaks, bowl streaks, winning season streaks. Last night, it was the winning every game in Memorial stadium. When you score 35 points, I mean, they've blown up every streak, the one constant and a constant that continues to impress people the world over who watch college sports is that this fan base still is sticking with the team and that they're still there, which is why, you know, some of the stuff at the end of Scott Frost press conference last night or, or, or what Garrett Nelson said about, you know, I'm ignoring the voices outside. You know, the only opinions that matter are the ones in this locker room. The us versus the world stuff blew up in Bo Pelini's face. Us against the world does not work here. Us against the world means us collectively 1.9 yep. million people versus the world, not us 150 or 200 people inside of a football program building a wall around the rest of the state. This fan base has kept Nebraska relevant even despite the losing. Mm -hmm. I've used the comparison many, many, many times. Nebraska football is dangerously close to going to the dust piles of history like Minnesota football. The Golden Gophers prior to 1960 were one of the great powers in all of college football with national championships and Big Ten championships. They were one of the great powers in the sport. Post-1960, they've just been another program. Nebraska, at least in terms of the wins and the losses, has, has developed into just another program. But they haven't totally gone into full irrelevancy or just another, you know, face in the crowd because of the fans, yeah. because of the support. And that's a big reason why today's decision was made was to keep everyone together and saying, hey, we're going to fix this. We're going to keep working at this and we're going to keep trying as long as we have to to finally justify all of your love, all of your support and all of the money that you pour into this project. Yeah, and and again, there are still nine games left, and there are a bevy of home games, including a, you know a, one that we thought might be 
uh, perhaps to a decider this week versus Oklahoma. You, you just you can't you can't take that type of stuff for for granted. By the way, I know that people are going to want to talk about coaching. You know who's who's next, and 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 we will do that in time. I did want to read this tweet real quick though from Pete Thamel. He said names for Nebraska. Uh, and he gave a ton of names. So I'll just read them all off to you, John. Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops, Dave Aranda, Bill O'Brien, Lance Leipold, Jim Leonard, P.J. Fleck, Chris Kleeman, uh, Dave Doran, Sam Pittman, Alex Grinch, Matt Entz, Brett Bielema, Jamie Chadwell, and Troy Calhoun. So I don't wow, know. Wow, he named a couple of Big Ten coaches in there. He named Bielema and Fleck. Yeah, so just yeah, just wanted to uh, to read that. Uh, th- those yeah, I actually, up. that was one of the things I was doing when we got the news is I'm I'm categorizing my coaching list in terms of home run hires, triples, doubles, and singles. And uh, I tweeted out something earlier today, and, uh, and, and that's an exercise certainly we can get into as the week goes on. Um, but for right now, Mickey Joseph is the guy. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's take some more calls if we have them. Yep, indeed. Up next is Q. He has been waiting on hold for a little bit. Q, what's going on, man? How's it going, guys? Hey. Hey. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, so your last statement, just that was spot on about why I believe the decision was made right now. Because um, the wheels already fell off this thing. The administration is trying to keep the fans from falling off of it. And I think I've had a long-running theory this is exactly why Trev was hired, because if anybody could come in and take Scott out, if it had to come to this, he was the guy. And, you know, a lot of people don't remember, uh, the, the younger folks don't remember the hard decisions Trev had to make at UNO with eliminating programs and the, the heat that he faced. And if there's anybody who can handle the adversity, it's going to be him. And the criticism is going to be him. And on top of that, you can't say it's not a, you know, a Nebraska guy making this decision. He's got a lot of personal interest in this thing so i honestly feel like the bigger the bigger thing here the bigger story is trev's hiring and the reason why he was brought in uh and and also i have a question do you think mickey joseph just your thoughts can look fickle this thing and at least stop the bleeding a little bit well that's the hope q yeah that's the hope uh is that he can stop the bleeding and you know he's referring to when luke fickle took over um uh, the after Jim Trestle was fired now granted that was at the very beginning of the season not three games into the season but that certainly is the hope and I'm certain that there's going to be some folks who are going to say well could Mickey be a candidate in my opinion I don't believe he is I mean he does not have any head coaching experience whatsoever yeah um, now if Nebraska were to win out mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be a lot of people you know oh, yeah. waving the flag uh, for Mickey Joseph but I'm guessing, and we'll hear more from Trev here in about an hour and 15 minutes. Trev Alberts will hold a press conference at 3 that you'll be able to hear right here on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and 1620thezone.tv. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, Mickey is one of the reasons why Mickey was chosen. First of all, he had associate head coach in the title. But the other thing, too, was you needed a guy who was, you know, going to kind of just – play the overseer the true ceo while you try to get your coordinators to kind of run their side of things i'm sure there were some people and i was listening to sip last night on the uh the husker online post game and he was saying well maybe whipple and whipple does have head coaching experience but i think at this point uh this decision is based partially in well we're trying to focus on you know keeping the offense churning Nebraska's offense right now is getting a half point per play, um, which is a really good number through three games. The offense has not been the reason. So why put more on Mark Whipple's plate 
let him focus on the offense, let Shenander focus on the defense. And by the way, there's been no other words on any other changes. It's just Scott Frost that has been let go. But that's probably going to be the reasoning that Mickey Joseph was chosen was, hey, we just need someone to kind of be at the top to kind of oversee the operation. And we're going to focus and we're going to let our coordinators focus on the things they absolutely have to to try to salvage this year. Yeah, uh, got a comment from uh, Jamie. He says, why are any fans so upset about the $7.5 million of Frost being fired now versus October 2nd? Money shouldn't be a reason for any to wait on the firing. It should have been last year, but it obviously was, and that's why Trevor renegotiated the original buyout. John, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone's upset about the cost. I think people are just like, why now? I don't, I don't think because, so because Because you brought him back. I think the frustration is, and, and I, I'll just, I guess, kind of keep repeating myself. This season is lost. This season is lost, and it's hard It's hard not to get a little frustrated when you look at, you know, I mean, Indiana and Rutgers are what they are. Purdue, I think, is solid. Illinois might have taken a step back. We'll see. Minnesota looks like they've improved, but Wisconsin and Iowa definitely have taken a step back this year. I feel very comfortable in saying that. And so you look at the division and you say, could they have won the division in year one under a new coach? Probably not. Could they have gotten off to a really good start, though, and maybe earned some goodwill and, and, and maybe brought the fan base and unified the fan base together a little bit more after the loss of Frost had they moved on? I think that that is, is certainly in the cards. That said, you, you, you hit on something earlier that, that is sticking with me a lot, and, and we're going to keep talking about it, I'm sure, and that is the unification of the fan base because the, 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 the start of this year was so, it was like so obvious that, that, that a change needed to happen. They were not improving. They are not better. They are worse. The defense, we'll see what happens this year. The defense definitely looks like it's the worst um, defense that, that they have had in the Frost, now now post-Frost era. So, like, that, they're, they've regressed there. They still had boneheaded decisions. The onside kick, like, all of the changes, all of the new coaches, all of the new players, and it, it was just a, it was the same song, maybe with just a different riff on it a different baseline a different chorus but in the end it's still the same song and I so I think that that I think it just kind of hit everybody and mate and I underestimated how much that would hit people to start this year um but it, it seems like it really hit people right away like damn this is the same stuff same stuff different year I don't want to deal with this anymore you're listening to breaking news coverage on 1620 the zone 1620 the zone.com and uh 1620 the zone tv also the zone mobile app Scott Frost has been fired after four-plus seasons as Nebraska head football coach. Athletic Director Trev Alberts made the statement in a press release at 12.30 this afternoon. A press conference featuring Trev Alberts will begin at 3 o'clock our time, and we will bring that to you live here on 1620 The Zone. I believe there's also going to be efforts to um, also simulcast that on our sister stations, 101.9 The Keg and 1180 The Zone. Uh, Producer Josh... Uh, putting up the graphic for us. That is the text of the statement from earlier today. Uh, Mickey Joseph will serve as the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. We want to show you some video, uh, Josh. Actually, real quick, John, before we get to the video, yeah, uh, go ahead. Ronnie Green just released a statement, um, and, and he here's what he had to say. Today's decision by AD Trev Alberts to change the leadership of the Husker football program was a very difficult one, but is the right decision for Nebraska athletics, our student-athletes, and the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Scott approached his job and role as a Nebraskan would with heart, hard work, and absolute commitment i know he gave it his all just as he did as a leading player unfortunately after the disappointing beginning to what we all hoped would be a fresh start it is time to make a change jane and i wish scott and all of his family the best 
as I know all Nebraskans do. Trev has made a good choice in asking associate coach Mickey Joseph to step in as interim head coach for the rest of the year, and we eagerly look forward to his leadership. So that was Ronnie Green, a statement just coming down from him. And we read a statement earlier from University System President Ted Carter that basically uh, echoed those sentiments. So Trev Albert certainly has the support of the brass above him, a brass who, by the way, at least Green, uh, was wholeheartedly uh, behind the decision to hire Bill Moose, who, of course, then hired Scott Frost. And yeah. that's another that's another perhaps topic for another time is, you know, how Nebraska's administration continues to stub their toe as well we all remember you know the criticisms of harvey perlman in the moment but this was a this was basically the same administration and i know it wasn't ted carter at that point it was hank bounds um but you know how gung-ho they were about going and getting bill moose and then it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that moose was brought in for one thing and that was to hire scott frost obviously moose did some other things as well including hiring fred hoiberg but um the the administration um you know certainly has a little bit of dirt on their hands when it comes to this whole situation um but they are in full support of trev alberts and um they obviously made the move uh, last summer to remove bill moose uh prematurely and then and i say prematurely as in you know they let him go before he was ready to go and um and then bring in Trev Albert. So, yeah, the role of the administration is going to be rather interesting, but they've put the put the decision and the ball in Trev Alberts' hands, and we're going to see what he does with it. Here is some exclusive video, uh, courtesy of uh, KOLN, KGIN, 1011 here in Lincoln, Kevin Suit, sports director, uh, I believe, and I haven't seen this yet. So uh, for those of you watching in, in the stream, this is apparently Scott Frost leaving yeah. the football facility today after the meeting with Trev Alberts. Now, for those on the radio, obviously you're not going to see it. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of narrow. Dinged on the side of his truck. Look, his side of his truck was damaged. Like, by the way, John, you're you were muted the whole time the video played, so you'll have to to recap it for the uh, folks on the radio. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah the uh, the the video just showing Scott Frost leaving the facility. Gave a hug to somebody. I couldn't tell who it was, but he yeah, hugged somebody. Can, yeah, I can I can hit it up again here real quick. I, I don't recognize him off the top. It looked like one of the support staff. Yeah, that's what I figure. Uh, and then the truck was seen driving off. Uh, now what happens to Scott Frost, uh, we don't know, but he's in line to pick up a $15 million check for his buyout. And uh, and we'll yeah. move on. Uh, you know, what, what becomes of him, we don't know. I've, I've always believed that if he is still interested in coaching, he might make a good candidate for the Nick Saban school of uh, coaching rehabilitation. You know, we've seen other coaches um, go that route. Uh, in fact, one of Nebraska's current candidates, perhaps Bill O'Brien uh, coaching under Nick Saban right now. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have coaching in his future, but if he is, um, he, he might he might be one of the next guys to to go that route, uh, and it would probably be a good one because it seems like everyone 
everyone who comes in as dirty laundry uh, leaves Nick Saban's program a cleaner person. But again, who knows what, what's going to become of Scott Frost for the rest of his coaching career? I I would be surprised. I I, I just don't I don't see that happening. I don't see him going there. I I I've had a theory for a while, and I, I think I've said it on the air. I, if I haven't, I'll, I'll say it now. I I don't think we're going to see or hear much from him moving forward. I I think he might just be done. I. I, I just wonder about how bad this thing ended. And, and some of that is informed, but some of it's just my theory in general. I, I think this is it. I, I, I don't, I think he's going to go to Arizona and I think he's just going to live out his days. I don't think, I don't definitely think we're going to see him back in the state again. You know, I think this is it. 402-951-1620. You're listening to live breaking coverage. Scott Frost has been fired. Trev Albert's press conference here in approximately one hour live from Lincoln. Let's go back to the Los Hills Harley Davidson hotline. That is where Greg awaits. Been waiting very patiently, at least we hope. Greg, what's going on, man? Not a surprise. That's what's going on. Um, the ESPN dinged off today, and before I even picked up the phone, I said out loud, University of Nebraska at Lincoln fires Scott Frost and sure as crap, that's what it was. <laughs> um, this is this has been a hard five years. I was all for Scott Frost, and I wanted him to succeed. Sometimes things don't work out. I wish him the best, but um, this kind of losing streak, it, this isn't Nebraska football, nothing that we all know. So, we, I mean, you got to move on. And I honestly think the reason why you do it now is because of what happens this next week. You got big noon kickoff in Lincoln. You got Oklahoma. You got to change the narrative. You don't want to go in with the, with the failure of a coach. And, and on national TV anymore. Like if I'm like, that's, that's my, that's why I think they did it now was because of this next week and the narratives that's going on in Lincoln. And they just wanted to change it. But um, hopefully the next guy is, uh, has a proven track record again in, in developing talent and um, recruiting and has a, he has a track record of winning. I'm not saying that Scott Frost didn't have a track record of winning, but uh, some of those players that he did win a fake national championship with weren't his. Um, yep. uh, the first year he was there at UCF, he uh, he had a losing record. So he really had, didn't have a proven track record. But I was all for bringing you know, the native son back and, deliver us to the promised land but again sometimes things don't work out the way you envision them and we just move forward from here and i just nebraska husker nation don't get caught up if mickey joseph takes us bowling don't call don't wave the flag for him um i wouldn't want him to leave the university but i don't think he's the the ideal candidate for the next head coach but anyway guys uh go big red and the sky, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Greg. I, I agree with you, by the way, Greg. Uh, this is no time for an experiment. This is no time for first timers. Um, this Plus, is to say time... this, I don't know if Mickey wants the job. No, so... I don't. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't think, think he, he does. I don't, I don't think he does either. Um, obviously, he wanted to come back. He wanted to make a difference um, with uh, with the wide receivers. Um, he's obviously been really, really good on the recruiting trail. You know, and and plus that, you know, he's oh gosh, what would he be now? He's about fifty. He's older than me, so he's like fifty-two, fifty-three. So he's hundred. Yeah, stop. Um, he's fifty-four. Fifty-four. 
you know, that's that's a little late in the game to be starting as a head coach. Again, I think he's put in this position so that the coordinators can solely concentrate on their sides of the ball and trying to make those sides of the ball the best they possibly can be. And Mickey's just going to kind of oversee things. And as a guy who is such a good recruiter, you know, that's still something that you're considering as you move forward for the rest of the season. Uh, just a couple of tweets that I saw from uh, either Nebraska commits or potential Husker commits. Uh, Malachi Coleman, the wide receiver from Lincoln East, uh, just simply tweeted, wow. And Jaden Doss, a wide receiver commit, uh, tweeted out a little while ago, I've been getting a lot of messages about my recruitment and Nebraska at this time. I'm concentrating right now is my Ray Peck team and having a great senior year. But, you know, keeping the recruiting class together in yes. some way and and to keep at least some form of stability. And that'll be another interesting thing, too, Josh. You know, and, and I think we're both in agreement that, you know, Mickey Joseph's not going to be the head coach no. next year and beyond. But if Mickey Joseph is kept by whoever the new person is, because he's going to be that stabilizing force. And I don't mean to use this example as a perfect one to one. Hey, look at that. The bear scored a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> but the, the one to one corollary, but there was when Bill Callahan took over, they did keep Turner Gill around the program as a stabilizing force. Now, again, some of that was kind of artificially done and, and almost looked like a token measure uh, by Steve Peterson and Bill Callahan to keep some Nebraska around. But this isn't keeping a Mickey Joseph around wouldn't be just to keep some Nebraska around, but it's somebody who's obviously got some great value to the product and, and has an intimate knowledge of what's going on and a great recruiter. I, I think Mickey Joseph is a tremendous wide receivers coach. Yeah. And I think he'll uh, be on the staff and is a great asset. So um, yeah, Mickey's not going to be the permanent answer, but it does make sense from a structural standpoint for the remaining 75% of this season, why he's put in this spot today. Uh, John plus, you know, he allows the coordinators to coordinate and, and look, some might, people yep. might say, I don't want that with, <laughs> with Janana right now, but it allows for the coordinators to focus on that. Like that's why you don't make Whipple the guy. So Whipple can focus on, on the uh, the offensive side of the ball. A couple of uh, tweets real fast. Uh, and I've seen this noted a couple of spots, but BMAR points out, wild this goes down a day after Carol Frost is honored on the field by Trev Alberts during the game. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, they honored no, her. Not. Yeah, and I, you know, I was I was up in the booth and and I was next to Helfrich and he, you know, I'm, I'm just whatever. And, and, and he points out, he goes, well, hey, Carol, they're, they're honoring Carol Frost. And sure enough, they were. So, yeah, they, the timing of this is interesting, to say the least. And then more of a, a question then that we can answer from Sipple's Lost T. How hard of a sell is the program for Trev at this moment? He's got to put up one hell of a calming front, doesn't he? I think he can, for the record. I mean, here, here's the sell. I guess if, if Sipple's Lost T is asking with the fan base, he's going to have some explaining. But I think, John, he, he, he hit on it earlier, and I think it's a really valid point. Like, in a way, bringing him back and, and allowing this to be so obvious that there's no division, that is going to be a good thing. So you, you can kind of start in there. with with In terms of the job, look, you're in one of the two leagues that matters. You are in the Big Ten. The money is there. The revenue is there. You've got the resources. The resources. There. This is another just odd thing in all this. The new facility that Scott Frost was involved in the planning for is also going to be there as well. And by so the like, way, you know, the new coach is going to be able to come in and have some influence. You know, I know there's a lot of things in the design, but it's not, I don't know if it's so far along that a new coach can't come in and say, 
yeah, I want to do this and I want to do that. I mean, there, I think there's still a, an opportunity there to have some influence on how you want that program to be built, not just from a, 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 a human or personal or human resources perspective, but also from a facilities perspective, which, which might be a, a selling point for Nebraska that, you know, is a strength for them if they're competing you know, with other big time programs for a similar spot. Exactly. So they, they have obviously that to offer. Look, the playoffs going to be expanding. And and so you look at, at the big 10 conference and the sec is going to be able to say the same thing. And you say, Hey, we're a top four team in the league. We don't have to be better than o- or Ohio state. We don't have to be better than Michigan. We don't have to be better than whomever the third team is at the moment. We just got to be the fourth best team. We can be a regular or a semi-regular team in the playoff because I think the Big Ten most years will get three to four and in some years more teams in the playoff. So it's a it's a hell of a job to be able to sell to. And and, and I go back to how it all started this conversation, and that's the money. The coffers, they're gonna have the money to they offer. The money. They're gonna have the money, they're gonna have the resources. So and, and then look, they have the fan base. Fans still showing up to 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 watch this, you know, winless, not winless, they win games, but this horrible, horrible football program. There is a lot to sell is it difficult yes but every coach every coach over the last 20 years has shown you can still get top 25 talent in here after that it's 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 you man it's developing it's coaching them up so it's a good job it's still a good job it will be a good job until it is not but it, it for for the time being it is still a really good job so i actually don't think i don't think that the sa- the sale of it or selling the job I just don't think it's going to be that hard. I really, really don't. No, it, it's not at, at, at bare minimum, yeah. at bare minimum, it's going to be, you got to do the math at, at worst. It's going to be the 32nd best job in college football because you got 16 teams in the sec starting in a couple of years and you'll have 16 teams in the big 10. Those two conferences automatically move ahead of everybody else in college football because of the revenues that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And we know that Nebraska is a better job than a lot of the, their peers in the Big Ten because of all the things that you just mentioned, the still fan support and the tradition and everything else. So, yes, this is a job that you can sell to a lot of people. Now, I say that, you know, and there's going to be some folks who are going to say, well, man, you got to shoot for the moon on this one. You're going to have to not, settle for getting halfway probably. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get Dabo Sweeney. All right, I'll just throw that name out there, for example. You're not going to get him because um, he's already got a, a plum job and he's probably in line to take a, the plumest job in a few years when Nick Saban uh, leaves. So I don't think that's that's in the cards. But you're going to be able to get some really attractive candidates and, and candidates that can be very successful here. And Nebraska is going to be able to pay. I said this a couple of months ago. I think at minimum, at minimum, the next head coach will make at least seven to seven and a half million dollars a year here. That's and they need minimum. to. They need, and, they and, need and, to. And quite frankly, I, I might be undershooting it because yeah. you've already seen hell Mel Tucker's making $10 million a year. I mean, the, the bar is already it's, being raised for guys who are a tier or two tiers below the Nick Sabans, the Dabo Sweeney's, the Ryan Day's, the Lincoln Riley's of the world. So yeah, Nebraska is going to want to be in that group. So it's going to be very attractive from a financial standpoint. It's going to be very attractive from a facility standpoint because you're going to have a say in how the facilities end up looking. It's going to be very attractive because it's a supported job. It's going to be very attractive because you're in one of the two biggest conferences in college football. 
it, you're going to be able to sell an awful lot yeah, to Matt, make this successful. Matt says, the worst part of the Nebraska coaching carousel is the repeated talking points. One, can't recruit here. Lie. Two, no coach wants this job. Lie. Three, if previous coach couldn't do it, nobody can. Lie. I hate it. And look, that's not to say because I saw a comment uh, from – I got to scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, Kefis, delusional to think that Nebraska is not a hard sell. Look, man, like it, it, it has so much to offer. It has so much to offer. And like you said, if Michigan State can give a coach $10 million, Nebraska needs to get in that neighborhood. And if they don't, then then I, it's kind of admitting like – And it's on them. Yeah, where they're, where they're going to stand. And I know it, it, it does it's, – it's harder than a lot of schools. Like you got to recruit. You got to recruit always harder. Gotta, yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be a little bit harder to win here. But that does – I mean – most competitors like a challenge. I mean, yeah. if you're a competitor, you love a challenge. You're going to be able to get someone good in here. Now, again, you're not going to go pluck away one of the top five perceived coaches in all of college football. You're not going to be able to get those guys because they're not going to leave a situation that's already great to just start over again unless you run into a situation like Jimbo Fisher was in a few years ago where he and the Florida State brass were clearly not seeing eye to eye and AM was able to swoop in and say, hey, we can give you everything that you want and more. Now, if there's a guy like that out there, if there's another Jimbo Fisher-like situation out there where you have a top-tier coach who isn't seeing eye to eye with his administration, Nebraska could be like that. Quite honestly, though, I don't see that person out there, but there's a lot of good candidates out there who have pretty good jobs right now, who are doing really good things right now that can come in and win because they're going to have everything, every advantage that you can't get just anywhere else. Nebraska needs to shoot for that. At bare minimum, it needs to be on my list a doubles hire, but I think they need to at least get a triple in this thing to, to show the world how important this situation is and how and show their fans how much they are committed to making this program what it used to be. Yeah, couldn't agree more. 402-951-1620, Les Hills, Harley-Davidson Hotline. Let's go back there. Uh, we have a couple lines open, by the way, at 402-951-1620. Rhett has been waiting. Rhett, what's going on? Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so a couple things. Last night I'm at the game, and it's an amazing game. They have the good, you know, celebration kind of red. We are this nation type deal at the end of third. Then as soon as we start the fourth quarter, we have to call a timeout because of personnel issues. I just couldn't believe the coaching staff's letting these guys out on the field, not talking to them, taking in the scenery. Instead, when we're in a game that's a dogfight, we're not even coaching our kids. It just took me by total surprise. The whole Scott Frost thing, I, you know, everybody can see the writing on the wall. I'm, I'm yeah. sort of shocked that he's not going to at least have a press conference set up sometime soon. Cause I'm surprised he took the whole buyout. Uh, I felt like he owed it to us to do a little bit better than he did. So I'm surprised that he's taken the whole buyout. But it was just one of those things where I think pride got the best of him. He really just would not listen to anybody, and he would stick to his game plan. It just was not working. And I agree with you guys as well, saying like he'll probably ride off in the sunset because I don't think he's damaged goods. I just don't think he'll want to coach again. And I, I don't know. I just kind of want to see what you guys kind of think about the whole – you know, Oklahoma game, how the team's going to react to this, because I think they're going to come out on fire, and I'd like to get your take on it. And then my sister, she's a September 11th kid, and she uh, has her birthday day, so I want to wish her happy birthday. And I was kind of surprised they didn't have a September 11th memorial yesterday at the game uh, during halftime or something. So 
just love your guys' show, and thanks for uh, taking my call. Hey, thanks for the call, Rhett. We appreciate it. 402 yeah. Happy birthday, birthday to your daughter. sister. Yeah, yeah. your sister. Oh, daughter? Sister? Did I say daughter? I thought, yeah, I thought it was sister. It was a I don't female know. I, kind. Happy birthday. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um I don't know about Oklahoma. I have I, I honestly have no idea. We've seen these types of games, right? Where uh teams have come out like you said, with their hair on fire and they played really well after a coach has gotten let go. We've seen other times where it's just like, oh boy, it's kind of lost. The thing is, like this this firing is so unique in, in a variety of ways. But the timing of it is it's just so early. It's so early. I mean, it, John, they got done with fall camp just a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, the opener was – God, the opener was 15 days ago, man. Like, yep. So it's so early in the season. So in a way, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, the, if this will galvanize them and bring them together or if, if there is division in the locker room and, and it will be the opposite. Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out. And then they'll have a bye week. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, like we're going to all want to have takes right after the Oklahoma game, it, it, probably best to, to save some of like the really big picture ones for the rest of the year until after that. Though maybe, maybe we should just, it's going to be hard to have them this year because they might just play so up and down the remainder of the season. That wouldn't surprise, nothing I don't think would surprise me beyond the, the defense turning itself around. That would really surprise me. Otherwise, not so much. Yeah, I, yeah, you know what becomes of the rest of the season and i and i and i believe that part of what today will be about is trying to sell at least a little bit of hope because that's what you have to do in these spots you know it's not just about hey we're going to be good in 2024 and beyond or 2023 and beyond but we're 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 going to do everything we can to still put a product on the field that you can be proud of for the rest of this season and while that may be a difficult sell after what we've seen the first 3 weeks um you know one thing that we know about Nebraskans, and I've said this about them before, the Nebraska fan base is like a rubber band. They snap back. And if if Trev, and I trust that he will because he's a very media-savvy person, we'll have a, we'll have a, a message that people can get behind um, and, you know, at least give them a little bit of hope. Now, does that mean they're going to go out and shock Oklahoma next week or at least be as good as they were against Oklahoma last year? I I don't know about that, but – you know, part of today's message will be about selling hope for the rest of the year. This division, who, I mean, Minnesota looks really good, but the rest of the division, not yeah. so good, not so much. I mean, yeah. there's still, dare I say, a winnable game. A winnable game. There's, there are still a winnable games left on this schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, if Nebraska can get their stuff together, we know this much. It's not the offense's fault. Special teams, eh. But at least they haven't been a disaster. It's really, you know, 90, hell, 90% of this has been defensive so far. Uh, and and I don't know if those things necessarily can be fixed overnight, but who knows? Dude, look at look at the last two drives of the game. Casey Thompson, 98 yards. Down the field gives them, gives them the lead, which the defense yep. relinquished. And then did he get them far enough on the last drive? No, but they ran out of time. And he got him in field they didn't goal have range. Much time, and they were still in position to try to kick a tying field goal. And the leg, the distance was there. So yeah, it's uh, that's that's the part about all of this. The mentally, it's a weak program. It's very fragile, and they got to get that stuff figured out. But I mean, the defense is it's a pro, it's a problem. And if they can't get that fixed, they can be the closest group ever. Now it's not going to matter, and they're still going to lose football games because they can't stop anybody. And especially when November rolls around and they're playing those Big Ten West teams.
All right, 402-951-1620. It's the Les Hills Harley-Davidson hotline. Uh, we'll be with you um, here for the balance of the next 45 minutes until Trev Alberts speaks. Trev Alberts is uh, scheduled to speak at 3 o'clock from Lincoln. We'll have live coverage of that right here on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone mobile app, 1620 The Zone TV as well, our YouTube channel. So, so many ways that you can absorb us. We really appreciate everyone being out there here this afternoon and kind of cutting into your Opening NFL Sunday, um, some interesting games to say the least. San Francisco's only up three on the Bears. Eagles are pulling away. Bengals are starting to come back on Pittsburgh. So we appreciate even with all that excitement going on that you've decided to speak, spend at least a little bit of time with us. We'll uh, get more of your thoughts, your calls, your reactions as we continue. Again, 402-951-1620 on the Lus Hills Harley-Davidson hotline. Josh and I are going to take a quick break. And we will be right back with more of our special breaking news coverage. Scott Frost fired after four-plus seasons as Nebraska's head coach. On 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com, and Zone TV. You can join us every week for the Sharp and Betting podcast. It's Sharp and Betting. We got a podcast driven by our good friends at Woodhouse Auto Family. Yeah, the cool thing about it is we'll get more in-depth on a lot of your favorite topics, have a guest or two, and just might drop some nuggets of information that you've never heard before. Wherever you get your podcasts, just look for Sharp and Betting. We got a podcast driven by Woodhouse Auto Family each Friday. You can find it on the Sharp and Betting show page on 1620thezone.com. At Sharp and Betting, we got a podcast. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. If you are a man over 40, listen up, because this could impact how much you're getting done during the day and at night. The harsh reality is, once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone. Here's the good news. Nugenics, the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC, has changed the game again for men over 40 with Nugenics Total T. And guys all over America are raving about it. Jeremy P. says, this is the best product I found to raise T levels. And how about Shane D.? He says, I had no drive and was tanked out at the end of the day. After three months, my energy level is through the roof. I work out like most 19-year-olds. I am 47. Guys over 40, you need Nugenics Total Tea. And right now, you can get a complimentary bottle. Just text HOT to 42424. It's the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. 